Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Good morning, everybody. How are you all? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to once again continue to study. Lord, we are at week eight, our last week in our small group. As we look at blessed are those who are persecuted, open our hearts and our minds, help us to understand this passage better. In Jesus' name, amen. So, quick word. Thank you, everyone, to our our uh, worship team, and also Ethan. I don't know why I'm having to preach today. You already did a great sermon. <laughs> Gordon Galatis. Anybody know who Gordon Galatis is or was? Gordon Galatis, engineer for um, Millstone Nuclear Power Station, or formerly, I should say. Years ago, he found that something was wrong in the system. Spent fuel rods were threatening to release um, radioactivity throughout the plant. Being a nuclear power plant, one should be concerned with this, right? Well, the pools, they weren't designed to hold all of this nuclear waste. They're not to be a dump. And of course, the federal guidelines require that Millstone had to move only a third of the rods into the pools but, found, but Galatis found that the hot fuel had been dumped onto them. And so the alarm bells would go off. And just after 65 hours after a shutdown, there would be another issue instead of the mandated 250. Now, supervisors, they would just casually wink. Yeah, it'll be fine. Because they were what? They were saving millions in shortcuts. Now... Fearing, of course, that if these shortcuts keep happening, people's lives could be at risk, whether from getting sick, from getting cancer, or ultimately dying. Galatis, man of conscience, tried to make these issues be, be known. So he told his colleague, George Betancourt, hey, we should contact the National Regulatory Commission, NRC. And Betancourt agreed, but he also told his colleague, more concerned about his future, you do that, kid, and your dog meets. Well, Galatis, of course, he urged the other uh, plant managers to please stop doing these hazardous practices. They refused. And what was even more baffling, some of these supervisors he knew were churchgoers, God's people. And yet, they were slowly but surely trying to skate by. For Galatis, this wasn't just splitting hairs. These weren't technical issues. It was an ethical, it was a moral, it was a physical issue for the people around them. So Galatis, he, he continued to warn the supervisors of what could happen 
The plant could be shut down, decommissioned, and also potential criminal investigations and lawsuits. Two years go by and nothing has changed. When he goes into the cafeteria, normally he'd be able to talk to his coworkers, and all of a sudden, as soon as he walked into the room, people would get up and leave tables. Nobody wanted to talk to him. In the hallways, people avoided him. Or they would come up and say, hey, stop doing what you're doing. So he also experienced rumors. Somebody claimed that he was an alcoholic and his performance evaluation would at times suffer. Galatus would get up. He'd, he'd begin a very intense search for God's guidance. God, how can I handle this problem? He would get up at 4 a.m. every day to pray and read scripture. And during lunch breaks, he would try to drive to a very secluded place where he could just be by himself instead of having his other co-workers look at him. He would pray and he'd search through scripture. And as he was uh, on one of these lunch breaks, as he was praying, as he was reading, he felt God whispered to him, will you die for me? Heavy. And even though he feared for his safety, Galatus also realized that there were other many ways of dying. His livelihood, his reputation, his family was also at stake. Previous whistleblowers, families had buckled under the intense emotional strain. Northeast Utilities, for instance, owner of the nuclear power plants, would likely hire one of the, the nation's top law firms to fight him. And nuclear waste energy, I'm sure there's a lot of money. People have a vested interest to make sure it keeps going because it's making their pockets bigger, right? So they'll get the best lawyers possible. Galatus was a nobody. He was just an engineer, an employee. And so I mean, he may be right. Power plant had money to fight. How many men in their mid-40s would be willing to lose a high-paying job and start a second career? It's tough, right? You've already invested time and energy. You want to start all over? So after months of study and prayer, he conclude, concluded he could not continue as he was going. He contacted the NRC behind the backs of the company. And of course, they offered him no refuge. And of course, when you do that and they start to investigate, people are going to figure out, why is the NRC investigating us? Obviously, it was tied to Galatis. His co-workers confronted him publicly in the hallways in his office. They called him a fool a troublemaker, intimidated and harassed for months. Others would just say, well, the polite, more polite way is to be quiet and keep your job. After four years of battling Millstone and coworker pressure, Galatis finally got a severance and he left. The NRC never suspended Millstone's license, but three reactors were shut down for repairs at a cost of over $1 billion. Mind you, this story is at least 20 plus years old. And a criminal investigation was launched. The reactor number one was never reopened. And the second and third plants did not reopen until years later. Think about all those people who had to lose their jobs because they didn't want to do the right thing.
Galatus, of course, he experienced some persecution. He was trying to do the right thing, and in doing the right thing, as some of us maybe have learned, right thing is not what people always want to follow. Amen? So another individual, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, noted pastor and theologian who, who uh, was a pastor during the rise of uh, Nazism, protested the Nazi regime and their policies towards Jews. And because of his resistance, he was eventually arrested and imprisoned. And he was also later assassinated for an attempt to try to get rid of Hitler. He was executed for his faith and opposition for a very violent government. And he didn't try to hide. And while he was trying to lead this underground seminary, he once wrote, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Pastor, why are you talking about death? If we truly hold belief to our, our, our faith and our principles, it may go against others who don't like those principles because it's going to get in the way of their beliefs, their way of making money. Matthew 5. Let's go to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, chapter 10. This is our last and final beatitude. Kind of sad. It's coming to an end. I truly am. I hope and pray that you've experienced uh, growth and, and have learned something new from this series. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. All right, we all there? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus, why, why is Jesus leaving a downer at the, the end of the Beatitudes? And yet there is truth, because if we truly are going to be people of principle, you're going to go get, you're going to find opposition. Amen. So the principle of the kingdom are in conflict with the principles of earth. In fact, if you, if you continue to read, Jesus talks about being a, uh, an, an ambassador for, for Jesus to be in an example, talking about the salt and the light. He also says later in verse 21, you shouldn't murder. Uh, you shouldn't commit adultery in, in verse 27. He also talks about divorce and also being careful when you make oaths and uh, dealing with uh, being an eye for an eye. You should love your enemies. He also talks about uh, the principle of helping out those who are in need, uh, of to be a, a prayerful person and fasting and, and laying up where does your ultimate treasure in heaven, those that you find things that are closest and nearest dear to you, are they things here on earth or are they principles that are in heaven? He also says, don't worry about your life. And also, hey, don't be judging other people. Be faithful. Ask, seek, and knock. And know, especially in verses 13 and 14, know that the path, it's not going to be easy. You can go the bigger path, which is easy and destructive, or follow the narrow, faithful path. He also points out that there are true and false prophets, true and false disciples, and everything that you build is a foundation. Are you going to build it on 
a firm rock or you're going to build it on sand where it's shaking eventually could sink. Now, when we look through after Jesus has ascended to heaven and we look especially in the book of Acts, did the disciples face persecution? <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, one of the first martyrs, Stephen, was killed for his belief. James, the brother of John, and, and even Peter and Paul several times were imprisoned. They were beaten. And save for, for John, all of the disciples, the apostles, died, many of them a horrible, gruesome death. Now, what's interesting about this passage, uh, this, this verse, is he starts talking, Jesus in verse 10 talks in the third person. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But then he switches it. He turns into second. He's, he's talking directly to the people. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus also says, this, the king, this is the, for the kingdom. Uh, uh, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew, Jesus also talks about the kingdom. Is a kingdom uh, a future kingdom, or can it be even now? Does God want us to wait to practice to be good people? No, we should be doing it now, right? So following in the footsteps of Jesus, Okay, following in the footsteps of Jesus will be difficult at times. We've been talking about last week, uh, we talked about being a peacemaker. Is it easy to be a peacemaker? No. Is it easy to seek forgiveness or grant forgiveness? Not always, right? We've been talking also about um, being meek, being humble, being pure in heart being merciful, being poor in spirit, also mourning. All of these things, happy are those, <laughs> don't necessarily, they're not necessarily easy. But the beautiful thing is, even though life is not always easy, we at least, thank God, do not have to go it alone. Because God wants to be there to lead and guide us. Now, Unfortunately, doing the right thing again is not always well received. In fact, Matthew, when he calls his disciples, Matthew, let's go to chapter 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their what? Their cross and follow me. Now, in the time of Jesus, was, what was the cross a symbol for? Punishment, ultimately leading to death. It was their equivalent of uh, the electric chair. And it's not unreasonable to say, if you want to follow me, start saying no to what you want and get used to the idea of an electric chair. That sounds so morbid, right? 
But yet Jesus is saying that to follow him requires self-denial and even a willingness to die. The courage to do so also comes from knowing that it's not going to be easy. To follow Jesus is at times going to come into opposition, and sometimes there is going to be some suffering. And yet even in the challenging times, whether it's physical or you got somebody who hates you or this or that, people are spreading rumors, we know that we have the calm assurance that Jesus does not leave us hanging and knows that does not leave us to our condition. No, he is aware. We have a great reward in heaven. Amen? So how do we respond to this? How do I respond to persecution? With joy? Oof, that's hard, but yet it says in verse 12, okay? In chapter 5, verse 12, it says, uh, rejoice and be what? Be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Not always easy, but yet that is what Jesus says. As Jesus puts it, this is what also happened to who? The prophets before us, okay? They spoke out for God. And when you live differently, people notice that. And when you live differently, people think, oh, I don't like that. So they start to make fun of you because you live differently. But yet when you're living differently, it's not so much an attack on you. It's an attack on the fact that they know that you may be right. And they may even want what you have, but they're scared because that requires making changes in their life that they don't want to give up. Amen? Mm. So, rejoice. Rejoice even when people don't treat you right. Rejoice even when you're doing the right thing. Why would the world want to persecute people, for instance, who are poor in spirit? Why would they want them to revile those who are meek or show scorn to those who want to be peacemakers? The Beatitudes are not teaching us to be aggressive uh, so to unbelievers, but actually to be kind. As it says, uh, to be subversive, to slowly but surely subtly change people's minds. Blessed or happy are those who experience all of these things. That's not normal. And yet people are going to wonder, why are you so happy when people are treating you like junk? Why are you happy when, you know, you, you're, you're being criticized? Because I have the confidence knowing that in the end, I am redeemed. Knowing that I have a Savior, that I am loved. And though I may not have everything, I have what I need. To close with, the Beatitudes is twofold. It's accompanied by a promise. If we are faithful, if we are faithful and we do what is called, we know that number one, we're being true to God. and We have a clean conscience. But also, we also will be rewarded for our faithfulness. So Jesus... Was he not poor in spirit? Was he not also one who came to heal? Was he not meek? Was he not a peacemaker? Was he not a healer? He helped to bring peace and to reconcile that which was separated by God 
ultimately leading to the culmination of him dying on the cross so that we could also have faith and he could save us from ourselves. And that beautiful promise of salvation, we know what we can look forward to. If we didn't have the cross, well, then forget it. Why would I want to why would I want to put all of this hardship in front of me? Forget it. It's not worth it. But knowing what Jesus means to me, know, knowing that I have a Savior and a Redeemer and a wonderful life filled ahead, not always going to be easy, but knowing that I'm not alone and that I get to share it with you, praise the Lord, is a wonderful promise that I do not take lightly. So, Following Jesus will sometimes mean pain and suffering. How do we respond to persecution? Rejoice and be glad. Also, just as Philippians 4 says as well. So, why should I follow Jesus when it seems like it will bring hardship? That's a real conversation that you got to have. And maybe have it with your family today. Why is it important? Ultimately, it's because... Number one, we need to do the right thing. But number two, God has called us to be a difference maker in the lives of our homes, in our work, in our school, at the post office, in our neighborhood, the playground, and here. God wants us to be people of integrity. <sighs> Even when... It's not an easy decision. But by faith, God gave every, God did so much more than we could ever imagine. Amen? And we often don't really think about that. How can we not give up a little and to be true and faithful? So at times it may be tough, may be challenging, but that's why we're also here, because we are here to help support and care for one another, to pray for one another. I mean, we've experienced that. Some of our friends and family here have literally suffered facing death. And what did we do? We got together and we prayed. There are people who've suffered in many ways, and we've been there to walk alongside them. So may we continue to do that as a church family. So this week, rejoice when you face adversity, because it's going to happen, <laughs> and are challenged for your convictions. Amen? Amen? Rejoice and be glad. Father in heaven, Lord, this world is not an easy place to live in. Help us, Lord, to be able to see the big picture to be reminded of that you are our Savior and our Redeemer. And Lord, it's not much to live faithfully. Even though it technically it may cost us everything, God, help us to be faithful and true to you. And Lord, when challenging times, when pressures, when peer pressure is knocking on the hearts, help us, Lord, to say no and grant us strength to say no and to walk away and to be faithful to you and to our families and our friends. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace, everyone.